Welcome to the Liberty Cast, where we do our best to trigger the American communists with facts and common sense. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to the Liberty Cast. Uh, I know that there's a, a lot that's happened over the past couple of weeks that we haven't done a show, but uh, I trust that everyone had a wonderful holiday. But now it's back to the grind. And uh, as I said in the post announcing that there wasn't going to be a show last week, uh, we're making some changes. We're going to have a new website launch in the next few days, uh, maybe today, depending on how things go. Um, some changes have already been made to the podcast in terms of format. Uh, the primary platform that we're using for the podcast has moved. Uh, and we're also working on integrating um, the podcast player into the website so that... Uh, and we hope to have that completed in the next week or so, week to 10 days. Um, I have a full-time job, so I can't spend all my time uh, working on this as much as I would like to. Uh, but some changes that we're making may, may uh, lead to that ability. So lots of exciting changes coming, and I will keep you all apprised as we implement them. Um, but as we make these changes, life goes on, politics goes on, and there is a ton to talk about. Um, obviously, uh, the government shutdown uh, is one of the biggest stories right now. Um, who's going to blink first? Was uh, Officer Ronald Singh's murder a turning point in the debate uh, about this government shutdown? Um, the gun confiscators, the anti-constitutionalists, uh, are pushing banks and credit card companies to keep track of gun purchases and, and report, quote-unquote, suspicious activity to the government. There were some amazing job numbers announced this week. Economic news um, is, is, is great. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit if we have time. Um, I'm not an economist, but I do have some thoughts that I'll, that I'll share with you. So that is the, the rundown. So let's, uh, let's just go ahead and, and dive right in. Here we are in day 15 of the Trump shutdown, quote unquote. I know he said he would take responsibility for it. And that effectively does make it his shutdown. But uh, who is really to blame for it? Um, I'll get to that in a second. But uh, who's going to cave? As I see it, Trump simply cannot cave. I know uh, as we're recording this, Trump is meeting with uh, some advisors and um, at, at Camp David. So we'll, we'll see what happens with, with that. Um, I think some of the uh, Democratic leadership is there, too. Speaking of Democratic leadership, uh, Nancy Pelosi and uh, Secretary Nielsen, uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, they got into it earlier this week when um, Secretary Nielsen was trying to relay some information um, to Congress about some uh, data pertaining to border security, uh, such as in fiscal year 2018, 17,000 adults at the border with Existing criminal records were arrested by CBP. We're averaging 60,000 illegal and inadmissible aliens a month at our southern border. In December alone, 20,000 minors were smuggled into the United States. The immigration court backlog is nearly 800,000 cases. Every week, 300 Americans are killed as a result of heroin use. 90% of that heroin comes across our southern border. 
in fiscal year 2017, about 135,000 illegal and inadmissible family units arrived from Central America. Of those, 2%, less than 2%, have been successfully removed from the country because there's a shortage of resources and other loopholes in the federal laws. I mean, there's a the whole host of, of, of facts and data that Secretary Nielsen was trying to uh, relay to Congress. And Nancy Pelosi interrupted her and said, I reject your facts. What? What, what? what does that even mean? And then Secretary Nielsen came back and said, these aren't my facts. These are the facts. Which, I mean, that's really the only response you can have other than looking at her like she has two heads and saying, what's wrong with you? Which is probably what I would have done. I really wish we had audio or video of that, but uh, apparently that was in a in a closed door session. Hopefully something will leak soon though. But this is the this is the resistance. This is the opposition that we're dealing with. I went off on a tangent there, but I just wanted to to make you all aware of 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 that ridiculous exchange that took place. But getting back to the president, he simply cannot cave. It would be a disaster for him politically. And if he does, it, part of that disaster, the, the main part of that disaster is going to be he will not win election in 2020. That, I just don't see any way that he, he possibly could if he does not stand firm on this. If he does, he will be see, perceived uh, as a president who is doing his absolute best to keep a promise to keep this country safe. Now it's a risk. It's a risk because the longer this goes on, the government employees that are not getting paid, that situation will be used as a cudgel against him. And you'll see stories on CNN and MSNBC trotting out all these government employees that are being hurt by it. And I can see campaign ads and interviews and on, on those stations and on the Huffington Post and, and other outlets. I can see it now. And they'll place the blame squarely at his feet. But I submit that the blame lies squarely at the feet of the American communists on the left. Now, let me tell you why. They have been on record for decades as being against illegal immigration. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. Uh, we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants in this country. When we use phrases like undocumented workers, we convey a message to the American people that their government is not serious about combating illegal immigration, which the American people overwhelmingly oppose. If you don't think it's illegal, you're not going to say it. I think it is illegal and wrong, and we have to change it. Above all else, the American people want their government to be serious about protecting the public, enforcing the rule of law, and creating a rational system of legal immigration that will proactively fit our needs rather than reactively responding 
to future waves of illegal immigration. People who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens, and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally. There you have it, folks. Not only are they on record multiple times, and that's just a few of them. So not only are they on record multiple times for being against illegal immigration, but they have voted for funding a wall or a barrier or whatever you want to call it at the border several times. They have voted to allocate more money for a wall than Trump is even asking for currently. So why now is it immoral? Why now is it a waste of money? And then we know the left has never been opposed to, to, to spending money. They've never seen a dollar that they didn't want to spend. So why now is it a waste of money and ineffective? Because Trump wants it. Trump wants it and they can't stand him. They can't stand him and they can't stand to give him a win. Now, this issue, like I said, that they've been on record for decades. This issue predates Trump. As of right now, there are only 18 senators that have been elected since President Trump took office. That means 82 senators currently serving predate President Trump. And you say, yeah, well, there's been Bush and Clinton in between. Okay. Four of those 82 began serving between 1975 and 1987. 78 of the 100 senators currently serving started between the Clinton administration and the Obama administration. That's ridiculous. I mean, if this is not uh, an advertisement for term limits, I don't know what is. The House is a little better. 40% of the current members of Congress have been elected during a Trump presidency. But there's one member of the House who's been there since 1973. I was three. Come on. And actually, he was probably sworn in in January of 1973. I was two. Come on, man. That, that's just ridiculous. But anyway, I digress. So will the American communists on the left cave? I think they feel like they have the upper hand in this situation. And because they feel like they have the upper hand, I think it'll be a long time before they cave too. Now, I, I heard today that there are some, some rumblings that they, that they may be softening their stance a little bit. I don't know. Um, I'm not currently watching the news, so I don't know how, how things are playing out right now. But they rejected an offer similar to what they actually offered the president a year ago. So depending on how this plays out, uh, Trump's rejection of that offer a year ago could turn out to be a mistake. But there has to be something else besides their hatred for Trump that is allowing them to put the country's security at risk, right? I mean, there has to be. I mean, they swore an oath to, to protect uh, and defend the Constitution, and their responsibility is to keep us safe. But I don't think so. Like I played for you before, they have been on record uh, for being for a border security and against illegal immigration. So this calls into question whether their love for this country is greater than their hatred for Trump. Now, I've contended for years um, that they don't have much love for this country. I'm sure some do. Uh, but collectively, I believe that the uh, American communists on the left are demonstrably anti-American. Now, your average American leftist 
uh, despite their misguided views, I think still do love this country. And by that, I mean the, the, the voters, um, not the members of the, of the ruling class. But I think they, they, they do still love this country. And it, at least in a greater proportion than, than like I said, the ruling class uh, of the left in Washington. As an example, uh, let's look at the murder of Officer Ronald Singh uh, on Christmas. Now, I know the sanctuary laws um, were not in place when he committed his crimes, his, his, his previous crimes, but that doesn't change the fact that it puts into stark relief the differences between legal and illegal immigration. So whenever a left leftist tries to conflate the two, just point to this unfortunate juxtaposition. Officer Singh emigrated to this country legally, did it the right way, became a police officer, served his community. And this guy who murdered him, I'm not going to use his name, this guy who murdered him, an illegal immigrant, had a record for a DUI, was arrested twice for that offense, and had known gang affiliations. Why is he still alive and Officer Singh is not? And who's to blame for that? Now, will the tragedy um, of his murder prompt any sort of softening of the left's opposition to wall funding or border security? I doubt it. And I think that actually can be blamed on Republicans. A common complaint that we have had about Republicans in the past is that they are terrible at messaging. Their message, for the most part, is, is, is sound. But they are terrible at getting that message across. Obviously, the media isn't going to be uh, helpful in, in Republicans getting their message out there. But they need to hold press conferences. They, Trump needs to address the nation from the Oval Office and lay out the case for why we need a wall or why we need uh, a fence or slats or, or however we have to sell it. Hold these press conferences, hold these addresses, point to Officer Ronald Singh, point to Kate Steinley or Josh Wilkerson or any of the host of the other victims of crimes committed by these illegal aliens. It's really not that hard, but they never seem to miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. It's, it's maddening. And, and, and I, I don't understand it. And if, if this doesn't play out in, in, in our favor, that's going to be a big reason why. All right, we're going to shift gears here for a second, but still stay on the, on the general topic of, of uh, border security. Um, we were just talking about illegal aliens and, um, and the murder of Officer Singh. Did you notice, though, that there were no calls for gun control um, when he was murdered? Now, according to the FBI uh, and NICS, 7,836,600 attempts to purchase guns were made by illegal aliens. That is a record number, um, and it's been going up every year for the past few years. Uh, clearly, uh, there weren't 7.8 million different illegal aliens attempting to buy a gun. But I, I suspect that, there were, that a significant portion of those were gang-related in terms of 
gang members attempting to use false IDs to, to purchase guns. It was probably um, on some level an, an organized effort by gangs like MS-13 and things like that. But the left likes to talk about how much better off we are if we just let everyone in and that illegal aliens commit crime at much lower rates than native-born American citizens, that they're better people than we are, that they're more virtuous than we are. And don't tell me that it's their right, because if they were concerned about rights, they would enter legally and attempt to become legal citizens, and then they'd be able to purchase guns legally all they wanted. So that myth is busted. But I bring that up because they don't seem to have a problem with Officer Singh's killer being in the country and being able to obtain a firearm, clearly illegally. But they're putting pressure on banks and credit card companies to monitor and keep track of the purchases that you and I make. And back in December, um, just before Christmas, there was an article in that rag, the New York Times, where the author states that banks and credit card companies are complicit in mass shootings because a number of the criminals that committed these crimes made large purchases of guns and ammunition using credit cards. And if they had flagged these purchases or denied them outright, that some of the tragedies like the Las Vegas shooting or the Pulse nightclub shooting uh, or the Aurora uh, Colorado movie theater shooting might have been prevented. Now, each one of those tragedies could have been prevented but they could have been prevented long before it got to the point where credit card companies would be involved because these people were known to law enforcement, known to mental health professionals, known to family members to be unstable. So if law enforcement had stepped in or anyone else along the way had stepped in, some of those tragedies could have been prevented. But to their credit, companies like Visa and Wells Fargo uh, they're resisting the pressure being put on them to circumvent the Second Amendment and the will of the people. Because if the people really wanted gun control, they would have elected people who would have gotten such measures passed. But it's failed every time. And it's failed because the people don't want it. It's just another attempt by the left to do an end run around the Constitution and the will of the people. They want to impeach the president and do everything they can to block him from doing what he was elected to do, which is, again, circumventing the will of the people. And they'll tell us all the time, nobody's coming for your guns. Well, that's a load of crap. They can't get gun control measures passed legislatively, so they attempt these backdoor methods to get their agenda enacted, whether it's through uh, judicial activism or now... Uh, putting pressure on banks and credit card companies to do their dirty work. Don't let them fool you, folks. Don't let them fool you with this line that nobody wants to take your guns away. We're not coming for your guns. More and more of them have been more and more open about the fact that they want to take away our guns. There are some holdouts that are still trying to feed us that line. But make no mistake, they're coming. And we need to be vigilant. We need to be ready. We need to make sure that we can repel any attempt they make to run roughshod over our constitutional rights and take our guns away. They're not getting mine. I can guarantee that. 
All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, and when we get back, we uh, will talk about some of the economic news that we've heard uh, this past week. See you on the other side. So uh, this past week, the job numbers for December were released and 312 new jobs were added to the economy. The unemployment rate, um, it, it went up slightly from 37 to 3.9%, but hourly pay increased 3.2%, retail spending increased 5.1%. So the economic outlook is definitely looking good, looking better than it has in a long time, especially any time under the disaster uh, that was the Obama administration. Uh, thank God that's over. Um, having said all that, having cited those numbers, and those numbers are spectacular, um, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. We are saddled with a catastrophic amount of debt. And as of right now, it's over $22 trillion. That's unsustainable for much longer. Despite that staggering debt, we still seem to be addicted to spending money we don't have. The last time we actually had a balanced budget, Bill Clinton was president. Now, I'm not an economist, but I know that that amount of debt and the amount of spending that we're doing is a disaster waiting to happen. The House actually just passed a, a budget allocating $12 billion in foreign aid. How about taking $5 billion of that, funding the wall, and putting the rest back into, the, uh, into our coffers so that we can pay down some of this massive debt? Now, there are things that we can and we should do to stave off this uh, impending disaster. But will the Republicans grow some stones or at least attempt to live up to the reputation they have of being fiscally responsible? That's a reputation that they haven't deserved in a long time. But let's think about this for a second. Imagine if you were in debt several times the amount of money that you made in a year. Say, say you make $50,000 a year and you're in $500,000 in debt. How did you manage to rack up that much debt in the first place? And what are the chances that you'll ever be able to get another loan or any additional credit to do the things you need to do. And if someone does decide to take a risk on you, the interest rate will be astronomical. But then on the flip side of that, how stupid would you be to continue to try and rack up debt? But that's the current situation that we as a country find ourselves in right now. So to take it a step further, what would happen if you needed more money to survive and couldn't get any more? Worse yet, what if whoever held that $500,000 marker decided they wanted it all back now? You'd be screwed. Now, individually, you would declare bankruptcy and that debt would get restructured and you would likely end up paying pennies on the dollar and you'd eventually you'd, you'd come out of it okay. But the situation that we as a country are in right now, if any of our creditors called in that debt, It'd be a catastrophe. 
because we we'd either default or we'd end up printing a bunch of money to try and pay off that debt, which would lead to a whole host of other economic issues. E- either way, either way, this is unsustainable. And it's one of the things that uh, people like to tell me that I that that I just blindly agree with everything Trump does and everything that this administration does. And that's simply not true because this, this right here, one is one of my biggest complaints. And if we don't do something about the ridiculous amount of spending that we're doing, it will lead to an economic disaster from which we will not recover for years, if not decades. And a default by the United States on our obligations not only could lead to an economic disaster in this country, but that could have a cascading effect worldwide. Just uh, something to keep in mind while we're celebrating these great economic numbers right now. There's, there's, there's something looming on the horizon that we need to be aware of and we need to address before it addresses us. All right, y'all, we're actually almost out of time, but I did want to talk about, uh, touch on one last thing before we get you out of here. And that is uh, newly elected Muslim Congresswoman uh, Rashida Tlaib. And uh, in case you are not aware, uh, this is what she said shortly after being sworn in. And when your son looks at you and says, Mama, look, you won, bullies don't win. And I said, baby, they don't. Because we're going to go in there and we're going to impeach the motherfucker. I'm not going to get into why places like Michigan and Minnesota are electing these Muslim women to these offices. That's a discussion for another time. But the left in general just can't help themselves. This impeachment talk is is getting old. Uh, the vulgarity, unbecoming, yeah, that part doesn't bother me as much. But uh, like I said, it's getting old. And whenever these people talk about impeachment, I have yet to hear anyone articulate what high crime or misdemeanor President Trump has committed. And, and don't, don't, don't tell me Russia because nothing has been proven with regard to Russia and anything that he may have done with regard to Russia is not illegal. So again, what high crime or misdemeanor has he committed? I'll wait. But this is just the latest example of how the left is just losing its collective mind. They are unhinged. And it's, 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 it's really sad to watch because it's, it's not good for the country. Then again, neither is electing people to office that openly advocate for a system of government diametrically opposed to our Constitution. But again, like I said, that's a discussion for another time that we, we probably need to have sooner rather than later. All right, folks, that is all the time we have. Um, it was a quick half an hour, but um, let me know what you thought of the new format. Uh, let me know if there's things that we eliminated that you want to see us put back in. Uh, let me know if you like the changes and feel free to reach out and challenge me on anything you think I got wrong. I value your input and love to interact with my audience. So you can hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at the Liberty cast. It's the same on all three platforms. And uh, there's actually a new one I'm trying out called uh, Parlay spelled P-A-R-L-E-R. 
uh, and it's being billed as an alternative to Twitter uh, without all the infringements on free speech and arbitrary application of rules. So um, I'm there. It's not. Uh, it's obviously not on the scale of Twitter yet, but there are some pretty high profile uh, people that if you follow them on Twitter, you can probably find them there as well. Let's see if we can do something to challenge Twitter's ridiculousness. But the handle is the same there as well, uh, at the Liberty Cast. We're also going to be uh, making a more concerted effort to, uh, to write more on the blog. Uh, we moved the blog to uh, a different platform, and we're going to be uh, launching that here shortly. We're going to make it, like I said, we're going to make an effort to, to, to write more and put some more content up there. So, like I said in the beginning, big changes coming, exciting changes. And uh, I hope that you enjoy the things that are that are going to be coming down the pike. And um, again, just uh, let me know what you think. But with that, I do want to thank you all for listening. And one thing that's not going to change, I want you all to keep your head on a swivel and stay safe, everybody.